0: Yeah, I'm gonna take my horse through the old town road.
1: I'm gonna ride till I can't no more. I'm gonna take my horse through the old town road. I'm gonna ride till I can't no more. I got the horses in the back. Horse stock is attached. Head is mad black. I'm Hello, and welcome to episode 17 of the Shoeless Goat Podcast, where a Cubs, White Sox, and MLB podcast. I am one of your hosts, Nick. Joined again by the mayor of Section 509, Patrick Bovard. Pat, how are you?
0: Uh, I've, I've been better. Uh, we, you know, the White Sox, we made the annual trip out to Oakland this weekend, which is just an absolute, for the White Sox, it is an absolute graveyard. So they just, it went about as well as I thought it would have. Other than that, you know, uh, just trying to beat the 90-degree heat. So for, there's our weekly weather update.
1: And thank you for that. Uh, episode 17 from the Cubs sides to this episode is for guys like Mark Grace, Chris Bryant, and most importantly, Mike Fontenot, or as Ron Sano called him, Little Babe Ruth. How about you?
0: Yeah, so we got a couple notable number 17s on the south side. The first one I found, never heard of this guy. No, I didn't look up his stats, but Sad Sam Jones wore the number in 1935, and that is what baseball (laughs) reference said. So that's like an old-time nickname, like Old Hoss Rayburn. So Sad Sammy uh, wore it. A couple other ones that we had, Uh, the number 17 on the 05 team was Ross Glode. Uh, Chris Getz, uh, current, uh, what is he the director of player development was 17 most recently Yonder Alonzo, uh, may his white Sox career rest in peace, wore the number 17 and my favorite 17 in white Sox history easily without a doubt is Ken Griffey jr. For those last two months of 2008. And that is also my favorite white Sox Jersey. So, uh, pretty exciting week here on the South side.
1: Yeah, uh, I want to know how you get a nickname of sad because I feel like in the 30s, everyone was sad. So you have to be like really sad to earn the nickname Sad Sam.
0: That's like, yeah, being a guy named like that's like sandwiched right between the Depression and World War II. So there's like it it doesn't get much worse than that. Um, But I, you know, I wish I would have looked up his stats to see because, you know, maybe he was just so bad that they called him Sad Sam. But unfortunately, all I got is the name.
1: Well, that was like. In the early 1900s, the Cubs weren't the Cubs yet, and they were trying to figure out what they should name the team. So they did a fan vote and they named them the Orphans for a season. Because yeah, now, yeah. yeah, because after Little Orphan Annie, I guess, was like a big <laughs> thing. But, like, how sad is the world where everyone got together to name this team and they go with the Orphans, like, literally dead. children with dead parents?
0: I think that weren't the Cubs also like the whales or the whalers at some point
1: whales. They were originally the white stockings. Yeah. I remember that. So.
0: Cause yeah, the white socks were, I want to say before the American league started in 1908, I believe they were in uh St. Paul or something like that. I don't know. That's that's stretching my, that's stretching even my uh, encyclopedia mind a little bit.
1: Yeah. That that would explain the, uh, the twins rivalry then. Oh Yeah. All right, so it is a mini-sode, a short episode this week because we had a short week because of the awesome Home Run Derby and the kind of lame but still entertaining All-Star Game. We'll talk about those in just a bit, but we're going to do what we usually do to start off the show. We're going to do a weekly recap, and I'm going to make you start, Pat, because let's just get this out of the way right now.
0: Yeah, so going into the All-Star break, uh, a lot of Sox fans had those fuzzy feelings of, uh, are we going to make a wild card? Do we sell? Do we buy? I personally am on the kind of more... Hold side of things, but that doesn't matter. We were 42 and 44, two games under 500 going into the break after that big win against the Cubs last Sunday. And then we got to Oakland. Like I said, Oakland not treated the Sox well. It's an absolute graveyard of baseball for our guys. Uh, if you take out two years over the last 14, they're 16 and uh, 32 in Oakland. So obviously not good this week, no better. We got swept 0 and 3. And are now eight and a half games back in the wild card, probably striking any pipe dream of making the playoffs out. But to get into the nitty gritty, Friday was a 5 1 loss against the A's to open the second half. Um, And actually, on my note sheet here, this was before we got later in the week. uh, The first note I have is Oakland equals Barf. So uh, (laughs) I'm setting myself up for this weekend. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, this is just not good. Uh, So we've had this year, we've had bad Ivanova and we've had. That'll work, Ivanova, This was bad Ivanova, Three home runs, six innings pitched, uh, ten hits. Uh, not good at all. Um, gave up a couple of home runs. Uh and Profar had one of them. They went down three-nothing. Uh, eventually got down to five-nothing. Former White Sock Marcus Simeon had a triple to push it to 5-0. Uh got one run back on a Leouri single. Um, Mankata had three hits, other than that, just a bad game. Saturday, this was just Horrible. It was the return of Dylan Covey, the moment we had all been waiting for here on the <laughs> South side. And then he got pulled after two thirds of an inning with six earned, uh, four hits, two walks. Uh, Ross Detweiler came in, stopped the bleeding at seven, nothing in the first inning. He ended up giving up four earned runs in three. Uh, A's that pushed it. They only had one home run, which was the weirdest thing. Um, So they had one home run and they pushed it to like three, what was it? I think 12, nothing before we eventually scored a run. Got a couple. We got a couple of runs in the seventh, uh, two RBIs from, uh, Rondo and a Moncada final score 13 just that is the epitome of Oakland, uh, for the White Sox that game, uh, today, not much better. Three, two loss, um, looked, you know, pretty promising. Ronaldo Lopez had a great outing, uh, to open the second half, something I was really hoping he'd do. Maybe he followed my advice that I wrote about in my, uh, blog post, but, unlikely. Uh, Overall, he went six innings, pitch seven strikeouts. And the biggest thing about this game was he had 19 swinging strikes, which something he has not done is he hasn't gotten people to miss. And when they have hit the ball, it has been hard. So this is the most swinging strikes he's had since that 14 strikeout game back in April. Uh, overall, that was the biggest thing of the game. Eloy hit a home run, which broke a 20 consecutive single streak for the White Sox. So a lot of, a lot of base knocks going until that. Um, unfortunately, uh, the A's tied it up at two in the eighth. Cordell was able to save the go ahead run throwing out. Uh, I can't remember who was at home. I think it was, uh, uh Chapman, uh, it looked like he was safe on the replay, but they held the play as an out. So I took that. And then in the bottom of the ninth in another, uh, just absolute epitome of White Sox baseball in Oakland, Jose Rondon threw the ball d- down the right field line, turning a double play A's win. So that completed our, Owen three sweep tope to in the second half. So an absolutely demoralizing gut punch, but uh, maybe that puts things a little bit more into reality for the second half.
1: Yeah. If there was like a bingo card of like worse ways to lose a game, that have to be one of the spaces for sure. Right next to the walk off balk or the walk off walk.
0: Oh yeah. That this was like one where I, I, I saw the Cordell thing. I'm like, okay, cool. We, you know, we're tied. Uh, we didn't get anything in the top of nine. So I went to go get like some water. Uh, I went to the kitchen a little bit of night, and I get a notification saying that we lost on a fielder's choice. And I was like, well, that's kind of, why would we not go home with it? And then I saw the replay and I'm like, ah, that's, that's why we didn't go home with it.
1: Yeah. And I wanted to talk about just really quickly what you said about the socks, possibly buyers or sellers. I think that, our traditional understanding of buyers and sellers is completely upside down. It's going to start this year around the trade deadline, which is coming up in a little bit, simply because of the, and we've talked about this before, the uh, fr- free agency not being what it used to be. So teams that are out of it are going to be uh, trading for players that they want to sign. It's to, to yeah. avoid them having a shot at free agency. So you're going to see teams like Seattle and as of right now, the Sox are out of it. The Sox who, especially the Sox, cause they are so promising these next couple of years are going to trade for guys. I think even though that they're not going to do anything this year.
0: Yeah. That's an interesting wrinkle. I didn't really think of, but I guess, you know, like you said, free agency's just been a dud. So that's the best way to go out and get somebody then. Uh, you know, I'm hoping the Sox make a move, but I realistically I don't see them parting with any of their big name prospects at this point. And outside of that, I don't really know who. who like, it's not going to get them Garrett Cole. It's not going to get them uh, any of the other big name guys. Maybe they might be able to get a bargain of a deal, so to speak, for Bumgarner or Stroman or somebody like that. But overall, uh, I'm not expecting too much out of the Sox at the deadline. Maybe flicking, flipping, not flicking uh, Alex Kalume for a quadruple A arm or something, because that seems what. They're really good at midseason um flipping guys for inconsequential bullpen arms but uh, I guess we'll find out
1: yeah and I want I want to end this on a high note for you Pat because I know that was tough to get through uh how's our buddy loop doing
0: <laughs> he is the greatest baseball player God ever put on this earth um I think there's, I mean I just, think you know, so it's tore, looking like it <laughs> tore through the minor leagues and Thursday night I was at the uh the heart and Cheryl Crow concert out in Tinley Park and I just get these notifications on Twitter of uh what is it? He's th- two first two at bats grand slam in a home run. And then later in the game has an RBI double that was 108 miles off the bat. Like me personally, I don't, if it were up me, maybe I'm not the best GM. He's in the majors already. I don't, I, I don't see him being in AAA more than a couple weeks. I, I think if you want to hit the ground running in 2020, you got to give him his at bats at the end of this year. And that's more than just a September call up cup of coffee. I think you got to get him up. Not, you know, immediately, but I think before the end of all, I think by mid August, we're going to see him in Chicago.
1: takes a real man to admit he was at a heart and Cheryl curl concert. And what a combination, by the way,
0: it was. Yeah, it was, you know what it was, it was a, it was a good show.
1: They could still rock. Oh yeah. Okay. We're going to move on to the Cubs and they had a fantastic three game stretch against a team that they don't like very much. The Pittsburgh pirates. They won all three. Um, all of them were very exciting and two of them were close games initially. So let's get right into it. Uh, Friday a 4-3 win you Darvish was phenomenal six innings pitched no runs had a perfect game going through four or five I want to say just looked absolutely dominant the uh, the breaking ball specifically the, the slider was looking really good and he was hitting like 98 on the gun which is really good to see um, gets taken out to pitch count kind of thing and uh, also they wanted to pinch hit because they, they it was still a 0-0 game when he came out Uh, Bryant hits a home run. Cubs put up three runs. It looks like they go into the eighth. It's a lock. The pirates hadn't done anything. Then, uh, Pedro strobe comes in and struggles. Uh, I believe it was, uh, Marte hit a three run homer off of him to tie the game. So everyone was not happy. Uh, Let's just put it this way. Both uh, Archer and you Darvish had perfect games going through, I think four. So the first five innings took like 50 minutes and the game still took three and a half hours (laughs) because innings six through nine took literally two, two and a quarter hours. It was crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, Pitching changes and hits and, you know, home runs and walks. And it was just, it was, it was a mess. So who comes up in the eighth uh, with an opportunity? uh, I think, Guys on first and second, two outs, Jason Hayward, people are rolling their eyes. Jason Hayward hits one in left. Brian scores on a close play, 4-3. Kimbrell comes in, shuts it down. Um, so Hayward really uh, winning that game and, and Kimbrell shutting it down. Just didn't have to be that excruciating, but it was. It didn't take the win, especially against the Pirates. Uh, Saturday was uh, could have been a lot worse for the Pirates, but uh, it was a 10-4 win for the Cubs. Uh, they scored seven in the first inning, so it was pretty much over. Uh, right away. Uh, Wilson Contreras had a home run. Lester was phenomenal, six and two-thirds, three earned runs, and he also hit a home run in a time where about two years ago, we didn't think John Lester would ever get a hit. He hits a lot now. He's probably one of the better hitters in the National League, I would say. I don't know where it came from, but I'm not questioning it. Um, And with the early lead, I assumed that um, the same shenanigans that the Pirates and the Cubs have been pulling the last month we're going to start up again, and they kind of did. They were pitching inside on Javi a lot. He hit a double, and then as he was running down the base, kind of like threw his bat at the dugout of the Pirates. Like didn't come close to hitting anybody. It was just stupid, though. So I just assumed that Sunday was going to be one of those games where everything just blew up. Um, but it wasn't the case. So today, Sunday, when we're recording, an 8 3 win. Cubs were down 3 1. Quintana looked good, had one bad inning where he gave up three runs, but ended up with uh, six innings pitched, three earned. So there's your quality start. And they were down 3 1. Cubs rally back to tie the game. Jason Hayward comes up again, hits a two run homer. Elmora comes to pinch hit for Quintana, hits a homer on a 0 2 or a 1 2 count in, in the beginning of that bat where he looked pretty lost. So. Uh, back-to-back homers and then the Cubs just kind of piled it on a little bit 8-3 wins. So two I wouldn't call the first game a comeback win, but two two wins where it didn't uh look too good. They get the sweep, everyone goes home happy and uh yeah, a first Cubs series win in quite some time that I can actually remember. So I'm really happy with how uh this second half started out because Joe Madden has like one of the best second half records like by far in the majors. I think he's like 192 and 108 in the second half or something like that after this weekend. So, I mean, it's a good start. It's exactly what the Cubs needed and the rest of the division like keeps losing. So Cubs have a two and a half game late over the Brewers and it goes, you know, gets bigger and bigger from there.
0: Yeah. So definitely a much better weekend uh, for the Cubs and the Sox. A couple things I wanted to point out on that. Uh, First, you Darvish pitching good. Uh, That's Really, I mean, at this point, you really can't. It, that's you really can't uh, ask for much more than that out of him. Uh, second thing I wanted to bring up, you brought up these shenanigans between the Pirates and the Cubs. One point I had is, has Javi considered maybe he wouldn't get thrown at if he respected the game? Um, you know, something, <laughs> so, so, something to consider moving forward.
1: Something to ponder. Yeah,
0: you know, just just a who who am I to suggest changes? But you know, maybe if he just ran around the bases and you know wore his hat the right way. Um, you know, may, maybe he wouldn't get thrown at. I don't know. Um, that's just how baseball works. Third thing, uh, just hearing the name Jose Quintana, I had to bring this up yesterday or uh, Saturday. I'm sorry. July 13th was the two year anniversary of the Jose Quintana for Eloy cease. Uh, oh geez. I just, well, you know, we're going to go with that Eloy cease trade.
1: No, that works. Uh, um, you can call it a trade and I'm going to call it a fleecing as of right now, but uh, <laughs> uh, you know, that's where I'm at with it right now. But Quintana, if he just pitches like this, I can't be too mad. But he's just not nearly as dominant as he was when he was in the White Sox. I think it's because he's getting run support. I feel like he was like a, a cornered animal with the White Sox where he just knew that he had to be a freak of nature to survive. Now that he has like a, a good offense, like he's kind of just like resting on it. I don't know.
0: That might be true. You know, it's like kind of that mental thing where it's like, if I don't give up one or less runs, we're not gonna win. And now it's like, well, you know, I could probably give up four and we're still fine.
1: Right. Uh, I mean, pitchers are weird in the head. They're like cocky goalies. Anyway, yeah. um, so I would like to know who your White Sox player of the week was, even though it was a tough week.
0: So yeah, this is a terrible week. Uh, nobody really had standout weeks. I guess I could have gone with Reynaldo Lopez. Uh, that would have been, you know, probably a worthy choice, but I'm going to go with the shock value pick. And I am going with a guy who did not play for the white Sox this week. And no, it's not Luis Robert. This is a guy on the major league roster. Uh, it's Lucas Giolito. Like I said, did not pitch for the white Sox this week, but he appeared in the all-star game on, uh, uh, what was it? Tuesday night, uh, went one inning pitched one walk, no hits, no runs and a strikeout. That was an absolute, just, you know, Freeze job knee buckler against Cody Bellinger. So struck out the best hitter in the National League, uh, held the game for the AL, which, yes, I did check the MLB box score and he officially got a hold. So his career all-star game holds are at one, which if anybody who knows me knows that is just my absolute favorite stat was sarcasm completely. But anyways, yeah, bad week for the White Sox. But Lucas Giolito uh, did his job in the all-star game and struck out one of the better hitters in the NL. So for that reason, he's my player of the week.
1: Yeah, you kind of want Bellinger to get the MVP now because you know is it I don't know with transitive property that means Giolito gets the MVP.
0: Yeah, I think you know he's I think he'd have to get the AL Cy Young if he's trying. I didn't see a you know Justin Verlander striking out Cody Bellinger in that game. I you know again who who am I to point out these things? But you know just little little factual observations.
1: Exactly. Okay, I'm uh, I had actually a couple good choices. Uh, I was thinking you Darvish but I didn't go with you, Darvish. Uh, he did phenomenal. Um, he still has not gotten a win at Wrigley Field in his career, which is kind of crazy if you think about it. I mean, he only had one start um, as a Ranger, and it was against Jake Arrieta, and the Cubs won that one. But he's been with the team for two years. I know he was injured a lot last year. You got to imagine he would just get lucky and just get a win, even if he gave up like six runs. You know, like That happens all the time. But uh, I didn't go with him, even though he probably had his best start in a while. I went with Jason Hayward. Uh, two go-ahead hits basically led to two wins, right? So he gets the, the single to score the run to go up 4-3 on Friday. Today he hits a two-run bomb so uh, to put them from make a 3-3 game, a 5-3 game. So I'm going Jason Hayward. And this guy is actually starting to play like we thought he was going to play. People are still crapping on that contract. I'm saying it's a good con- contract, but uh, he's been... 275 he's got 15 home runs right now um he went six for 13 on the week or on on the three-day stretch he had two doubles three rbis Uh, another notable mention is uh our guy uh robel garcia again who won it last week he uh had two doubles today and just looked phenomenal so hats off to him for that one but uh yeah player of the week jason hayward let's hope he can keep it up
0: yeah, absolutely. I think Hayward, uh, I mean, if he can hit like anywhere near 280 and give you 25 to 30 home runs, I mean, the contracts, it's an albatross, but it's over and done with. He can give you that in the defense. He's going to give you year in and year out. I think that's, I mean, when you signed him from Atlanta, that was probably the ceiling you were hoping for. So e- easily, I mean, his best year as a Cub, I think there's no doubting that.
1: Yeah, uh, he's not going to hit 25 or 30 home runs. That's just not the guy he is. I feel like Jason Hayward growing up was the kid who everyone picked first in tug-of-war because of how big he is, and then really disappointed when he wasn't pulling his weight, no pun intended. But uh, (laughs) I I think if he hits – his over-under in my head is like 22 homers, and if he does better than that, that's fantastic. Because last year he hit like eight or nine. I think he's already got 15. So that's a – it's really good to see him hit for power. So moving on, we're going to jump to our favorite part of the show called the LinkedIn player profile, where we check out one of the former Cub, former White Sox, see what they're doing on LinkedIn, talk about their career, maybe invoke some fun memories. So Pat, I believe it's my turn to go first. You went first last time, didn't you?
0: Yeah, I think that's right. I think uh, last week. Yeah. Yeah, that is right.
1: Okay. Um, so I went with former Cub, Mickey Morandini. Uh, Mickey Morandini's LinkedIn is not great, but informative, uh, but it leaves out some glaring aspects of his career. Let's start with his education. He uh, went to the University of Indiana where he played baseball, and then uh, all his LinkedIn profile says he's a professional athlete for the Philadelphia Phillies from 1989 to 2001.
0: Yeah, so he wasn't a baseball player. He was an athlete.
1: Well, yeah. But the, the biggest thing is he also had played for two other teams, three other teams, <laughs> but he just left that out. So he's, he basically said he was a lifetime Philly when he's played for three teams, Cubs and Blue Jays. So that is interesting. But anyway, um, and then we'll get into the what's later in his LinkedIn when we're, we're done talking about his, his playing career. But uh, he played for the Phillies from 90 to 97, the Cubs from 98 to 99, he was a second baseman back to the Phillies in 2000 and then was traded to the Blue Jays where he retired. I think he was batting like 270 retire- when he retired. So it wasn't like he was, you know, hmm. doing that poorly, but uh, it was just a matter of it's time to hang it up, I guess. Uh, more notably, he was a on the Olympic team in 1998 and he was a gold medalist. So I think that's probably... One of the highlights of his career, um, I would say, never really won anything uh, with the teams he played for. Was an All Star in 1995. Uh, let's see, is there anything else super interesting? I mean, I just remember having his baseball card growing up, and he had hair down to like his shoulder blades, and I thought it was and, like a crazy mustache. So that's why I remember him um, playing for the Cubs for some reason. I don't know him and the line. That'll get him
0: with... an 80. I was going to say that'll get him an 80 grade on the eye test right there.
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, He's a Pennsylvania guy born. So I guess it kind of makes sense that uh, he uh, is all Phillies all the time. Uh, He's currently a ambassador for the Philadelphia Phillies for the last one year and nine months. Um, And that's usually the title they give to washed up players who just want to get free tickets to the games. I feel like.
0: Yeah, I believe that's what Scottie Pippen is for the Bulls.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of Cubs that are ambassadors too, and I just can't. Well, of course, yeah, Pippin. They call him No Tip and Pippin, for, uh, for, for if you ever uh, had to wait tables on him. But anyway, um, Morandini also was uh, the third base coach. I think he's the third base coach or first base coach for the Phillies. Uh, he was named in 2015, so I don't know why he hasn't put that on his LinkedIn pretty glaring omission as uh, first base coach is pretty, pretty dope job. Uh, and yeah, that was pretty much it. He's and he has a wife named Peg and they have three boys. Um, and he also has a link in his Wikipedia. See also list of celebrities who own wineries and vineyards. One, Ooh. I didn't know he owned a winery or vineyard and two, I did not consider him a celebrity. Hey, learn
0: something new every day though.
1: Yeah. Uh, and he also, okay, let's not take a, take a little away from him. 1993 NL Championship Series. So he was a playoff player, um, but I mean, kind of just uh, very under the radar guy, but fun name, fun player, fun look. Mickey Morandini, your LinkedIn player profile for the Cubs this week. Pat, who do you got for the White Sox?
0: So I am going with somebody I consider to be one of the more important players in White Sox history, and I'm going to get into that a little bit into this. I am going with Josh Paul. He was a backup catcher for the Sox from 99 to 03. Uh, He is a native of Evanston, Illinois, in the pride of Buffalo Grove High School. Uh, And after high school, went to Vanderbilt, where he was drafted by the White Sox in the second round of the 96 draft and made his debut, like I said, in 1999. Uh, Played four years with the Sox, or I guess technically parts of of five. Uh, Was released in 2003. And then he was signed by the Cubs in 2003, so he was a part of the team that eventually made it to the uh, NLCS. Unfortunately, he was released uh, after only three games in October, so didn't make much of an impact on that roster. But overall, a very unspectacular Sox career, Uh, 264 average, only four home runs and 42 RBIs in 145 career games. He did rack up a 0.2 career war, so above replacement level. Good job, Josh. Uh, after, the, after he was done with the Cubs, signed with the Angels in 04, and then after the 05 season, he was traded to the Tampa Bay then Devil Rays. Uh, I mean, he played with the Devil Rays for two years and then was released, signed a minor league deal with the Astros in 07, and then after that season retired. So after his baseball career, what did he do? He went on to manage the Staten Island Yankees. Their, I believe that's their low A affiliate uh, from 2008 to 2010. Uh, stuck around in the Yankees organization for a bit, was a scout for th- four years, 2011 to 14, and then was the minor league catching coordinator for the next four years, 2014 to 17. So worked his way up the Yankees organization when he then jumped ship uh, going back home to the LA Angels. Uh, he's been their bench coach there the last two seasons, last year under Mike Sosha and this year, of course, under Brad Ausmus, which then brings me to why did I say he's one of the more important players in White Sox history? And I'm not sure if you're going to, do you have any idea where I'm going with this?
1: I don't. I've, I'm trying to piece it together right now without Googling it while okay. you were talking.
0: Let me, uh, so let me take you on a little rewind to a, a a crisp fall night in early October 2005. It's game two of the ALCS. The White Sox are trailing in the series 1-0, and it is a tie game in the ninth inning. AJ Pierzynski swings and misses, starts walking home, and then realize and then turns and goes to first. The catcher in that drop third strike game was, of course, Josh Paul.
1: But well, the uh, the drop third strike that never was, yep. and I, I will say it, uh, so, I'll die on that hell for sure. That and that yeah. Philip Umber that that was a strike, <laughs> it was an absolute joke.
0: He He will too. He's always said he caught the ball because I know after the game they did an interview and AJ was like. Because he had been in a similar, AJ, this is, had been in a similar situation a couple years before, I think when he was with Minnesota, uh, where he had, it was a drop third strike supposedly, and he, you know, tossed the ball back to the pitcher and went in and the batter got to first. And that's when he, that's what kind of went in his head during this game was that, wait, I, he was just like, I'm just going to run and see what happens. Cause he thought he might've not caught it. Uh, So he said, well, all he, Josh, AJ said, well, all Josh Paul had to do was tag me and I would have been out. And then they asked Josh Paul, it's like, well, why didn't you tag him? And he's like, well, you don't tag somebody when you catch the ball.
1: Right. And like from a Sox perspective on that one, like good on AJ. Like, Yeah, it was a
0: smart heads up play. Uh, obviously from there, the rest is history. Pablo Azuna comes in, steals second, and then Joe Creedy hits a walk-off double. I remember that game. I was at it with my dad. We were we were watching him. We like, had absolutely no idea what was going on. And then it was basically in a blink of an eye. They won on that Creedy double. So that was... Hell of a game and all things considered, if it's not for that drop third strike and the angels take that game, the Sox are down two nothing and they probably don't win the World Series that year. So for that reason, I am officially naming uh, this week's LinkedIn player profile for me, Josh Paul, one of the more important players in White Sox history, not for anything he did with the White Sox, the team that drafted him, but for helping us bring a World Series uh, back to the South side.
1: Yeah, a guy who loses his job to Damian Miller on the Cubs changes the course <laughs> of the White Sox history. So there's that. Uh, or, or if you'd prefer, Paul Gabor Blanco or Baco, not Blanco, Baco, Paul Baco. <laughs> Those two were your Cubs catchers in 03, So, <laughs> hey, yeah,
0: that's it's not awesome. not a pretty scene.
1: Definitely. Um. So let's just do a really quick recap of uh, quick thoughts, lightning round, uh, home run derby, all star game it all in one
0: uh first of all home run derby was a- entertaining as hell uh vladdy you know surpassed my expectations i said going into it he's going to hit about 27 to 30 in the first round and then hit like five the rest of the way because he's going to be out of gas obviously proved me wrong with that uh what was it 40 home runs in the second round where him and jock peterson had that just epic duel uh the one thing i will say is the fact that pete Alonso wanted his absolute garbage uh he didn't deserve that and he it should have been either jock or vladdy I don't know how they fix that in the bracket format, but uh, you know he's you know in this age of uh, politics he is not my home run derby champion. All star game a little bit boring, but you know Giolito pitched well. James McCann got a base hit in his one advance at bat, not advance. Um, uh, The one thing I did not like about it from a White Sox perspective was when Jose Abreu got his one at bat. Joe Buck was talking to I don't even remember who was on the mic. It was either. Freddie Freeman. Wasn't it? it was either him or Pete Alonso, whoever was at first, and did not mention Abreu once during the at bats. So that was a little frustrating, but AL takes it. Uh, once upon a time, that would have given the them the home field advantage in the World Series. But overall, the home run derby is, I think, what we're all going to remember a lot more this year than the All Star Game.
1: Yeah, so I've been in just full miserable study mode for upcoming exam. Um, so I didn't get to watch either of them. I did get to watch the highlights. I did stop and watch the All-Star game for about an inning or two just to see a couple Cubs at-bats. Um, nothing special from Cubs in the All-Star game. Could, could not care less. Did watch Giolito's inning. That was pretty cool to watch. Um, and I watched uh, the, I believe, All-Star MVP uh, Shane Bieber, Yep, absolutely dominate that inning. So that was really cool for him to do it in front of the Cleveland fans. Um, from all accounts of the players talking around the league, that Cleveland like put on the best All Star game hmm. of of the returning players, like the guys that are there all the time. I guess they're not; they don't have to say it. So it's pretty evident that Cleveland impressed them. So yeah, good on Cleveland um, for uh, putting on that show, uh, home run derby. Yeah, the format has to be fixed, but no one how to fix it and i think once you fix it to change it to something then something else is going to happen to make you wish you had yeah. the old format so it's an imperfect s- system um i guess they've just like abandoned the rule that the home run has to land because who cares you oh know? yeah that was
0: absolutely out the window
1: they should like stop the clock once yeah or once just the balls hit
0: or something yeah i mean I agree if they're going to make you wait until the ball lands then they should. or I'm totally fine with just the rapid fire swing after swing.
1: Or they do like in video games where if you hit a home run, you add five seconds or something, something like, cause I know that. they
0: do. They have the, uh, the bonus 30 seconds, which I believe is what, if you hit a home run over, was it 450 feet, something like that.
1: Yeah. Or if like you hit, like, it's like a distance meter, right? If you yeah, hurt, hit like yeah, a yeah. certain distance or yeah, I think that's cool. Um, it is like, it's, it's, it's not baseball. And that's why it's so fun is because yep. this is, it's this is the dunk contest of baseball, even though dunk this are, is, yeah.
0: I was going to say, I think this is for me, the, the I think baseball 100% has the best all-star game of any team. That's any sport. I think that's just without a doubt. I think this is also the best all-star game, you know, I guess, complimentary event, if you will, in any sport. I think, you know, every other league, I mean, you know, the dunk contest maybe back in the day when actual good players did. It was exciting. But I think in this day and age, the home run derbies, the biggest all-star attraction there is in American sports.
1: Are you dare saying that Zach Levine is not a good basketball player?
0: To be fair, I did say back in the day, which could have meant, what was it, three years ago when he was in it? So, Zach, if you're listening to this, which I assume you are, uh, don't worry, I still got respect.
1: All right. Good save there. Much like a Alex Kalame save. A good save. All right. So that is our show, uh, our mini-sode, if you will, episode 17. Uh, We will end this show the way we always do. And, Pat, I have a really good question for you this time. So it it involves a little bit of thinking. Yeah. So... Imagine yourself, it's the 19th inning of a White Sox game. Let's say they're playing the Royals. It's tied 3-3. They're out, Ricky's out of subs. So what does he do? He points up to section 509. You go in the game. Where are you being put on the field to where, one, you are most comfortable, and, two, you think you would do the least damage?
0: Oh, God, that is tough because I – First of all, I could say hide myself a catcher, but there's no chance I'm catching like a 99 mile an hour fastball. I'm not even gonna try. That ball's anywhere but where I'm setting up. I'm either getting drilled or it's, you know, going past me for a pass ball. I'm not going anywhere in the infield. Uh, ball gets hit the hit on the ground to me at 110 miles an hour. No thank you. Uh, I did not like fielding grounders in like little league, so no, not taking those off major league bat. Uh, I'm gonna go the classic, you know, trying to hide your player out. Put me in, on a left field maybe yeah i'll tell you, i'll take left field probably the weakest arm my arm is absolute garbage so yeah we're going we're going into left field
1: all right so i have two two thoughts on this one one for sure i'd want to pinch run if you think about oh. it that way
0: oh i thought i thought you meant a position on the field
1: well i mean i'm going to get into that too i think that was yeah. it was kind of unfair for me if i ever had the chance to pinch run I don't care what the signs that uh, that uh, uh, Butterfield gave me. I'm stealing. I don't care. Oh yeah, because you don't get you don't get on a baseball card by not stealing a bag, not getting it caught stealing. You're officially in the Major League Baseball stat book for life if you get caught stealing. That's so true. That, that's important. Where am I going in the field? Put me on the mound. Okay, <laughs> I'm throwing a 55 mile an hour fastball with a complimentary 36 mile an hour pitch that I invented where I throw it backhand. They ain't touching it, but the, the chances of them like really connecting for a home run are, I mean, it's batting practice speed, I guess, but whenever like catchers or whoever come into pitch, they never hit home runs off those guys. Cause they're throwing like 60 mile an hour fastballs. So I feel like they just, it's not going fast enough for, the, for them to do, do the damage.
0: See that. I I get what you're saying there. The one thing for me, n- with how fast players hit the ball right now, you could not pay me money to stand on them out. If they if anything gets hit back at me, I'm going to the hospital. I do not have a I wouldn't quite consider my reflexes cat like. So if I get a screamer up the middle, like that's that's a career ender for me. I'm I'm down.
1: I feel like I have a little bit of an edge on the uh on the reflexes side, simply oh, yeah. because my job requires that I field baseballs. I mean, if I mess up, it's not a big deal, but we like, I I don't think I have any errors this year, so I'm feeling pretty good about that so far. Now it's going to happen on Tuesday when I work the game. (laughs) But uh, with that being said, yeah, no, that would be a concern I would have, but also if they do crack a home run on you, no one cares because we just pulled this guy out of the stands anyway and you get the loss and you're in the stat book again.
0: That's true. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, if you're going for just straight glory, that'd be it.
1: Yeah. But, uh, I thought, I thought that was a pretty good question for this week. yeah that's a good
0: one. I like that one. That's, a, that's, you know, that's a real, uh, it's a real, uh, not a head twist. That's a real, you know, that's a, that's a brain workout right there.
1: Definitely. Okay. So episode 17 is officially in the books. You can listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, as long as it still exists. Who knows? Or at lmbfsports.com. You could also check out all the other sports articles that our many, uh, writers give us on a weekly basis, mostly Pat talking about the White Sox. But, uh, with All that being said, Pat, thank you for joining us again. And I believe next week will probably uh, work well because we'll be spending the whole weekend together at the uh, World Wiffle Ball Championship.
0: Oh, it's going to be a hell of a weekend. That's easily for me. That's the that's the Christmas of the summer right there, out in the great old town of Midlothian. Like you said, Cleveland knows how to put it on an all-star game. Midlothian knows how to put on a world championship. So, all all roads are leading south next weekend. But you know, should be a good one.
1: For those keeping track of the World Wiffle Ball Championship, just remember to cheer on your boys who play for the LaGrange Wiffle Ball Academy Water Buffaloes powered by Grecian Chicken. And if you do end up showing up to Midlothian and you can't find us, just listen for the smooth sounds of Mason Ramsey over a loudspeaker.
0: It's either going to be Mason Ramsey or Carly Rae Japson. It's a duel between those two for who owns the summer of 2019. So, you know. So it's going to be a good day. And just to let all the fans know, we are running our Big Mac promotion. If we score 10 runs and win and you are at the game, you get a free Big Mac. So come out, come one, come all. Uh, hopefully there's not too many of you, though, because that's a check I'm going to have to cash. So,
1: <laughs> It's going to be but, like semi-pro with the corndogs.
0: <laughs> no, if we get to 9 nothing and we're winning, we're putting the ball on the ground the rest of the way out there. But the idea of the Big Mac is alive, so c- come on out and support us.
1: Love it. Okay, thank you so much for tuning in. And remember, everyone, Yachty Molina is not a Hall of
0: Famer. Have a great week. Come on.